words. Come on, put those hands together. Well, praise the Lord. Let's clap our hands for Jesus. Because he's the reason we're here. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord has been mighty good to me, and I cannot complain. Somebody said, I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. I don't want to tell it all. I'm going to tell y'all enough tonight, though. <laughs> I had a good time with y'all this morning. I want to give honor to Bishop. He took me out for some good lunch. I appreciate that to you. See, the Lord just keep adding blessings. He's, just, he's adding blessings. Amen. Praise team A+. plus. Amen. I really am enjoying myself. Amen. I think y'all did a fantastic job. But tonight, again, I will start off one way, but I promise you, you have no idea where I'm going to go. <laughs> but if you'll hang around to the end, I promise you, I'm going to give you a secret that keeps me going till today. Right. It's one of my best secrets. Right. Ain't going to be a secret after tonight because I'm going to tell you. Right. <laughs> the Bible says, freely receive, freely give. Amen. Acts chapter 13, there's a, there's a authority in the Holy Ghost I feel right now. Amen. So that's just let God have his way. Acts chapter 13 and verse number 22. Again, I'll be in Acts, the 13th chapter, verse number 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave their testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. I want you to focus on that. David, a man after my own heart. I want to preach a subject that might sound contrary, but I want to preach damaged goods. Damaged Good. Amen. Why don't we close down our Bible, lift up our hands and pray. God, I need your help tonight. Lord, I, I already believe you're going to do it. God, but I know I'm dependent on you tonight. Lord, speak to your people. God, we're going to break some chains tonight. We're going to lift some faith tonight. We're going to get the devil off some people's back. And we're going to see people walk into their destiny, walk into the fulfillment of their promise. God, something miraculous is going to happen tonight for somebody, but we got to get over some hurdles, God, and we got to get over some setbacks in Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Why don't we roar and clap our hands to Jesus? I'm telling you, God's about to help you tonight. You may be seated in the house of God. I want to talk about Damaged goods. Damaged goods. Amen. David is an interesting character. When David is anointed, and I, I love studying David. Like, got to be top five starting lineup of the Bible. David, when he's anointed, he's innocent. He's young. He's like a teenager. At that time, I can't find a fault with David in the Bible. I, the Bible don't show us a fault. It don't show us a sin. We just see this young shepherd boy taking care of his father's flock. Amen? At that time, God calls him a man, and a man after his own heart. Amen? David is most notably known amongst people, whether they go to church or not, as slaying Goliath. The only second part David is known about is his adultery with Bathsheba. Right. Amen? Right. But at this point, early life, David slayed Goliath. David played his harp for King Saul to get the spirit that was on Saul to go away. David, at this point, doesn't have a flaw. He's anointed, but not appointed. He's anointed by God to be king, 
but he's not appointed to be king yet. Just because God promised or gave you something doesn't mean it's the right time. And you can get in trouble doing the right thing at the wrong time. I want to jump in the notes, but I'm not. I'm going to behave, amen? (laughs) See, David was not made king while he was innocent. And that's the part that breaks my heart. It's because God found him in innocence. God anointed him in innocence. And God allowed things to happen to David. That David lost his innocence by the time he came to kingship. We're going we're gonna to preach tonight, amen? Whew. And I asked God, why didn't you make him king while he was innocent? You know, before he got into a bunch of sin, while his heart was innocent. You see, David, when he was a young man, he was married to Saul's daughter, Michael. He loved her. David was a one-woman man. Amen. He loved Saul. But Saul was jealous of David. And he wanted David killed. And eventually David has to flee from the kingdom to run away from Saul. And David starts experiencing trauma that's not David's fault. Amen. And the trauma that David began to experience made David start to have some flaws. But he was still a man after God's heart. But he was coming into flaws. He was coming into trouble. He was going to come into some mishaps, amen? You see, while David was on the run from Saul, David began to do questionable things. I I began to study. David's only sin was not Bathsheba. That was latter life. When he was on the run from Saul, one of the first things he did was lie to a priest. The priest said, do Saul know you're here? He said, Saul has set me on a secret course. (laughs) David lies. David ain't never lied. I don't see God see anything about it, but he's not the same David from the sheepfold. Something's happening with David. Even though he's anointed. Am I talking to anybody? He comes before the king of Gath and he's scared because he's a Philistine. And David lies again and starts acting like a wild man. And I'm like, this ain't David. This ain't heart playing David. This is not sheepfold David. And I and, and, and begin to break my heart because I can relate to David more than other people. You know, because the Bible don't hide people's flaws. And it's showing this man struggling who has an innocent heart but is put in a a tough situation and is now doing things trying to save his life. Because some of us were raised in trauma. Some of us were raised in chaos. We all don't come from the same side of the street, if you know what I'm talking about. Some of us had to do things just to survive. Amen? David begins to exhibit anger. He wants to kill Nabal. But his wife Abigail saved him, and God killed Nabal for David. And then David does the unthinkable, because David does not believe in polygamy. But David is scarred. When David is running from Saul, his wife Michal is given to another man. He don't know where his wife is, because he can't. There's no letters. There's no cell phones. He can't get in contact with her. David, in all his trauma, then takes Abigail to be his wife. Wife number two. And he takes another woman to be his wife. Wife number three. And a man who believed in having one wife now has three wives. A man that was totally innocent and of a pure heart. Things are beginning to happen to him. He's still anointed to be king. He's still a man after God's own heart. But stuff is happening to him that just don't make sense. Come on, somebody. Don't act all blessed and highly favored in here. Don't act like you didn't wake up today and put on your pants or your skirt or your dress. You woke up as a human being. We're all sinners saved by grace. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The problem is we come to church and we act like we haven't. All these things are happening to David. All of a sudden, 
David thinks Saul's going to get him. So David does more questionable things. Now David is going to go serve the lords of the Philistines. He's not even supposed to do that. The Philistines are the sworn enemies of Israel. Now David's a chief over one of the Philistine cities. David. Sheepfold David. Heart playing David. Innocent David. Who God don't look on the outward, he look on the inward. There was something in his heart God saw. But now this man is going through drama. This man is going through sin. This man is making mistakes, but he's still anointed. He's damaged goods, but still fit to be a king. Come on, you might have felt, came here feeling like damaged goods, but you still fit to be a child of God. you still a son or daughter. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care how you messed up. Even the blood of Jesus is going to work or it's not. I ask God again. Why? Didn't you elevate David when he was innocent? You could have prevented him from going through all this. I'm going to say it again. God, you could have prevented us from going through all this. Come on, don't act like you never said it. Don't act like you never thought it. Don't act like you never cried it. God, you could have prevented me from going through all this. You know, the middle of the process don't determine the outcome. The middle of the process don't determine your outcome. Where you're at right now don't determine how you're going to finish. I don't care what came against you. I don't care what happened. God speaks the end from the beginning. We don't know what's going to happen on the way, but what God told you is going to come to pass shall come to pass in your life. I want to help y'all today. So we're going to be real, real today. I remember when I first got in church, it took me 16 days to get the Holy Ghost. I came to church every service trying to get the Holy Ghost. But in 16 days, I got the Holy Ghost. When I got the Holy Ghost, I love growing in God. I love the holiness of God. I love to worship God, amen. I was anointed early on. You know, my heart was truly innocent. You know, but there was a girl in the church from high school who invited me years ago. Amen. And I was interested in her, so I was pursuing her. There's nothing wrong with a young man pursuing a young lady. Amen. And I got her to go to, I, I, had a, I convinced her to go to lunch with me. And it took her about, me about two months to convince her to be my girlfriend. Amen? You see, I was serious about God. And I was serious about getting married. Amen? I thought life was perfect. I'd never been in church. I never had a girlfriend when I was grown. I'm scorned, y'all. <laughs> Amen? Looking to get married, life looked perfect. But we got to tell these young people to slow down. Uh oh. You know, when you're 21, everything looked great. 21, 22, uh, everything was looking, it's great. You don't know your left and right yet. You have not tie your shoes. Listen, I thought I knew how to tie my shoes. Grown folks know what I'm talking about. When you really feel out how to tie your shoes, you understand a little something. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. My God, amen. I'm going to be real personal in here. Y'all don't have to do what I say. Bishop Purdue is your pastor. But I'm giving my two cents, and Bishop can override however he wants. I personally don't believe that there needs to be no kissing until the wedding day. Oh. And, I, and I wasn't practicing that in those days. 
I come to be real. I know I'm kicking some of y'all stuff over. I felt it. Y'all looked at me in the spirit. You ain't even looked at me with your eyes. <laughs> they looked at me in the spirit because they ain't want to, you know, give it up. Amen. I don't believe that young people, any one of the opposite sex, should be alone together. I broke that rule too. I ain't lying. Tell them the truth. The reason I see sometimes the reason the adults know is because we did. And we did wrong. And we messed up. And we try to speak from our pain and our experience so you don't have to go down the same road we went down. I don't want you to have to experience the pain I had to go through and the trauma I had to go through. I'm be real, real, because I love the apostolic youth group, y'all. Maybe this is not in y'all's, but maybe, yeah, listen, this is in grown folks, too. I done seen 40, 50 yokes. So let me stop, Lord. Back to the notes. It's only by the grace of God that I didn't end up in full-blown fornication. Now, let me be real, real. Oh, I feel authority coming here. Just because people aren't fornicating don't mean they aren't messing around. The church, sometimes we, turn, we think the young folks ain't doing jack. Leave them alone. Hold on. What do you think they're doing, Bible study? You think they're praying each other through to the Holy Ghost? I thought I'd get more amens off of that. <laughs> amen. I, and I was, I was knee deep in what I'm talking about. I'm ashamed of it, but it was true. And with these relationships, you have to be careful of physical touch because physical touch leads to deeper intimacy, meaning you let red flags fly because you created a deeper connection without establishing a deeper relationship. A soul tie in a relationship, your body's just longing for theirs. This mic on fire. I'm sorry, y'all. You know, lust ain't love. It's desire. You don't know if you like that person yet. Mm -hmm. See, I learned something. The moment you close your eyes, you close your spiritual eyes. And you got to close your eyes to kiss. You only do that at the altar. Keep your eyes open so you know who you're dealing with, so you can catch the red flag, so you know if you're compatible. I see some, some women in here, they're like, yes, he's preaching the truth. <laughs> you see... Unfortunately, I was young and dumb. My wisdom didn't grow yet, y'all. Because I was sure I was getting married. Sure you getting married ain't an excuse to go do nothing further. Because you ain't sure you getting married till y'all walk in the altar. That's the biggest lie the devil ever told me. Y'all for sure getting married. How you know to the altar? Y'all betrothed. That's right. He was going to put her away, too. <laughs> you see, we, we got engaged six months into dating. Amen? And when you're sure you're getting married, you're going to let stuff slide. I saw things I didn't like, but I was sure that once we were married, I could fix it. I think I'm Bob the Builder. Can we fix it? Yes, we can. <laughs> Amen. You can't fix nobody. You ain't God. When y'all come to the altar and say, I do, that's who you marrying. If you don't like that person, walk away. Marriage is not a project. Marriage is a partnership. Don't get you a fix it. This ain't Legos. You can't build it how you like. It comes as it is. Amen. I'm, I'm, a very, I'm a very sentimental person. I only wanted to kiss one woman my whole life. That was going to be the woman I married. I didn't get to do that. Messing around with my own foolishness. James Wood's foolishness. I ain't blaming nobody else. It was me. Amen? Amen. Amen. And we were, I was already in that stage. And, then, you know, because you go too far, you don't want to start over. 
Then you're afraid of starting over. Then you don't think you can start over. Amen? You know, plus, you know, you can fix people with prayer and fasting, right? No. Get you another one. <laughs> you know, no, hear me, hear me. No, hear me. We're having a good time, but hear me. Hear me. All right, we had fun. Now, no, hear me. What happens when it doesn't work out? And you realize it isn't the will of God. Or maybe both parties are on the same page. And you want to go deeper in holiness, but you realize you made some mistakes. Come on, say amen. You see, God called me to the United Pentecostal Church in town. The church I was at had different standards. Amen. When I told my fiance about it, she was not happy. Because she didn't like those standards. But I felt God calling me deeper. Mm, and I look like a hypocrite. Trying to tell this young lady about holiness. And we ain't been so holy. I was, I was a bad leader. Ooh. I didn't even, see, and that's the thing about it. I should have gave God more time to establish my relationship with him. So at least I would have known what I wanted. Oh, God. <laughs> Amen. For months, I tried to convince her to visit. Just come by and visit. You ain't got to come, just visit. She told me she ain't never coming. It's like, dang, we're supposed to get married. At least visit. Amen. Whew. Amen. Again, we weren't fornicating. We were doing too much. And the relationship failed. This is my first time being in love. Y'all parents ever went through that? What you thinking? Whoo. Young people think y'all strong now. Y'all have not went through the depths of Hades yet. <laughs> Amen. It was my first time being in love. And I'm devastated. Because you ain't never been in love, you don't even know how to break up. And if you ain't ever know how to break up, you don't know how to heal. And you don't know how to go forward. And you're dealing with this. Amen. And plus, I know some of it was my fault. And I'm, now I'm single and I'm lonely. Amen. Top it off, I'm thinking about all the mistakes I made. And there's no promises of marriage. And then, once you're out of the relationship, I can clearly see every mistake and every sin I committed. And the bad part is, it's too late to fix it. Because life don't come with a reset button. And I can't press reset. And even if I get healed, delivered, and set free, I can't go get the other person healed, just delivered, and set free. The person you sin with, you can't heal. Let me say it louder. The person you sin with, you can't heal. Be very careful helping people sin because you can't take it back. Let me, I want to say that real clear, amen. You might go on. You might be delivered. You might come back in relationship with God. There's no guarantee they're coming back. Live with that on your resume. Live with that on your mind. Think about that a few nights. You pray back through. Ain't no guarantee they will. We don't talk like this in church no more. We need to talk like this. We need to tell people the truth. Listen, I, I'm forgiven. I'm in ministry, but I've hurt some people, and all of them have not been restored. Mm. Come on, church. That's why we got to warn people. We got to show them the highway of holiness. We got to show them how to walk with the Lord. Because I don't want you to have a track record in a burnt field and have to go back and wonder, can you repair stuff? See, went from six months away from getting married. Now I'm single and lonely. I felt like a failed leader. Again, how can I tell a young lady about holiness? We were alone being inappropriate. Amen? I knew it was the will of God for me to go deeper in holiness, but I felt like a hypocrite. It's weird when you want to go deeper in God's holiness and it's hurt you while you're doing it because you feel like a hypocrite because you knew what you were doing a few months ago. I ain't the real people in here. You know, the way we preach it, you know, you just come to church, get holy, sanctified, feel the Holy Ghost. All right, praise the Lord, hallelujah, here's a sticker. <laughs> Amen. How am I going to consecration 
when I was helping you be carnal. Holiness hurts when you realize you damaged somebody else. I felt horrible because now I'm pursuing ministry. And I started to battle the spirit of rejection. If you ain't never dealt with the spirit of rejection, Lord Jesus. See, I made mistakes. But I felt like I feel you. I felt like a failed leader because I knew better. Amen. I, and then, you know, you really feel bad because I'm engaged to this young lady, and I can't even get her to follow me. And I repented for months about my mistakes. I I I used to feel like the, the devil was blackmailing me for real. I used to feel like somebody was going to come and reveal all my mistakes. The bad thing is. I didn't even do nothing bad enough they would actually take my license for. But in my heart, I knew it was wrong. Amen? It's all this guilt and shame, amen? Whoo! <laughs> Man, and then I felt worse because I hurt this young lady double because I didn't end up marrying her. Ooh. It haunted me for a while. Until a prophet came and prayed over me. And finally, that spirit stopped messing with me. Amen? Mm. You see, my first year in church, even with all that, I had brought 13 people to be baptized in Jesus' name. I go do outreach all by myself. But after that split, I felt rejected. I was a failed leader. Failed relationship. I could not witness to anybody. If I said, hello, brother, how you doing? You said, no. No, thank you. I fall apart. No, you don't understand how rejection works. If I go knock on your door and you say get up, it felt like she was rejecting me again. The scar was there. Anything could trigger it. I don't know if anybody ever went through the spirit of rejection like I went through the spirit of rejection. A good thing I wasn't in sales because I would have made no money. Literally, I, I couldn't win a soul. I couldn't operate no more door knocking and witnessing and inviting people to church. Amen? Whew. I went into depression. I didn't even know if my life can get better. You know, it really hurt me because when I came into church, I never wanted to fail God. Here I am. I'm feeling like damaged goods. I never wanted to be in more than one serious relationship since I was a kid. My dream, get grown, one serious relationship, get married, don't have to go through all the mess. Here I am. I'm not living my dream. Still anointed. Still love God. Still want holiness. Still, and here I am, and all this mess is on me. Amen? And, and then, you know, I was fighting for the relationship for a while, and I finally have to come to the reality. It's really over. And, you know, the truth be told, and this is why I talk about those parameters, I could have handled it a lot better if I didn't make any mistakes. See, I don't know how, I don't know your situation. I'm just going to tell you mine. During that season, I used to cry on the way to church. I cry on the way to work. I cry on the way home because I was in so much pain. And I didn't tell nobody about it because I didn't want to tell them the whole story. <laughs> amen? I'm just crying, amen? I get to church, I dance all around the altar. I tear it up. They probably thought I was really saved. It wasn't that I was really saved. Church was the only place I felt freedom. I felt the peace of God. I felt the love of God in the altar. So I would dance around the altar, and I was trying to break something that wouldn't break. But I felt good at church. I go get in the car, crank up the car, and immediately, immediately feel sad again. Ooh. I was going through it. And I didn't know how to get out. Amen? Go right home sad. And in the bed at night trying to pray. I could feel peace to God, but I had to pray an hour, read a Bible hour for the peace just to go to bed at night because I was tormented in my room. I was ashamed of myself. I'm anointed. I'm winning all these souls. God's with me. Here I am making a mistake. 
And I thought I never would make a mistake because I got the Holy Ghost. And I knew better. It'd be different if I didn't have the Holy Ghost, but I had the Holy Ghost. And I made a mistake after I got the Holy Ghost. And it hurt me, amen? Woohoo. And I can always hear God, but during this season, I didn't want God to tell me nothing because the last thing he told me to do got me in trouble. Not really. He really saved my life. I just didn't know at the time because I'm in a lot of pain. Sometimes when God instructs you, it might cause pain, but it'll save your life. Amen? You know, if you don't thank God for the blood, I thank God for the blood. I really thank God for the blood. I'm so, woo, somebody. Because I don't belong here. I'm really a sinner saved by grace. I really don't deserve the goodness of God that God has bestowed upon me. I'm happily married. I got a beautiful wife. I got four loving children. We have a house in Florida. I don't deserve none of that. If I did the math on the mess ups I did and the things I caused, I wouldn't bless somebody with that. But God is more merciful than we are. God loves in a deeper way than we do. You may be seated. I'm going to tell you a different story. Still my story. But at least this time I wasn't in church. So I felt it's all right. When I was in the military, my best friend was Apostolic Pentecostal. I didn't understand that at the time. But his dog tag said Pentecostal because he made him put Pentecostal on. He didn't know. He barely knew what he was anyway. He was a new convert. <laughs> Amen. He would tell me about Jesus' name, baptism. He would tell me about the holiness of the church, amen. He would tell me about the Holy Ghost, and he was engaged to this young lady who had been in church her whole life. Now, he got, he'd been in church for a few months and joined the Army, and she'd been in church her whole life. And I'm excited because I'm, I'm one of those Christians not, that's not really a Christian. I believe in God. I got a Bible at home I never read, so I'm Christian, y'all. And so I'm ex- I, I don't mind him talking about Jesus to me, you know, but it's going in one ear and out the other because the military life is chaotic, especially in training environments. And so Harold's my best friend, and he's telling me all about this doctrine, and Harold's 21, and I'm 19, and Harold's my drinking buddy. Well, what y'all thought I was going to say? He took me to church and baptized me? <laughs> No, Harold's my drinking buddy. You know, Harold is 21, so he can buy. And he can supply. Amen. And I felt bad because Harold would say, at our church, we don't drink. Just because you're not supposed to do it don't mean people are not going out here doing it. (laughs) Amen. And I felt real bad because he had the kind of woman, you know, that I liked. Not that I liked his wife, but he had this innocent wife, you know. I, see, look, I might have been dumb in the world, but I knew what a good woman was. I ain't stupid. <laughs> and I felt bad. And I was thinking to myself, man, you know, because I'm young and dumb. I was like, man, when I get married, I hope he stops drinking because he got a good woman. And, 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 I'm, you know, and I'm really stupid because I'm still drinking with him. Man, to be 19, we, your brain cells, they did not grow yet. That's what it was. I wasn't done growing yet. My brain, you know. And I felt bad, hey, amen. I remember one time we were at this party. Y'all, y'all, ever, y'all ever heard this type of stuff at church? <laughs> we, we, were, uh, we were at this party, you know, and that's before I started drinking. And at the party, the one guy in the platoon, you always got one person in the platoon that nobody likes, and he... He got mad at everybody. He took a picture of all the alcohol that was on the bed. Now, I really did not drink at that party, but Harold did, right? right? And so the the guy nobody likes sends the picture of all the alcohol to the sergeant and and a list of everybody who was at the party. Now, I wasn't drinking, but I was at the party, (laughs) 
And the sergeant has a list that everybody departed. He wants us all to come see him. It's a true story. And so anytime in the military, you have to go two by two. You can't go by yourself. So here was my buddy. So we go together to see the sergeant. I'm in there. I'm at ease, you know, in a position. I'm in there. I'm like, Lord, save my life. I'm 19 and dumb. I have a national security clearance trying to lose it. You don't give that to a 19-year-old unless you're U.S. military. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, and our sergeant, he asked us, where are we at the party? Yes, we're at the party. Where are, where are you drinking? No, sergeant, I wasn't drinking. Harold, Harold no, sergeant, I wasn't drinking. I'm Pentecostal. We don't drink. <laughs> this is a true story. I'm not lying. This is a true story. Amen. And so I, I come back from the military. Me and Harold separate. He's stationed in, like, Georgia. They got married over Thanksgiving break because in the military, you just get married all the time. And, yeah. So years later, I'm in church. I'm really studying my doctrine. I'm learning about oneness, baptism, Holy Ghost infilling. And I start remembering his wife and some of her standards. And I said, hold up. Harold Apostolic. Harold Apostolic Pentecostal. I said, what? He was next to me the whole time, and I ain't listened to nothing he said. Besides, besides, what kind of alcohol you wanted? So I had to get on Xbox to get a hold of him because we used to play a lot of video games in the military. So I get on Xbox, get on my little headset, and I'm talking to Harold, and I'm excited because now I'm Apostolic Pentecostal. And so I'm trying to explain to Harold I'm Apostolic Pentecostal. And he don't really seem that interested. He's like, man, that's great. And I hear him in the back, and I hear his wife, Audrey, and they drinking. They drinking. My heart drops because now I'm in church, and now I realize what I was doing. I was drinking with a new convert, and I wasn't the saint at the time. He was, but I felt guilty. And there wasn't nothing I could do. Even though I wasn't in church, I knew I should not have been drinking. Hey, just because they ain't here and baptized for the Holy Ghost don't mean they don't know right from wrong. Amen? And my heart sank. And I was like, Lord, what have I done? Because I should have been in church years ago. Now here I am, and my buddy's backslid. And his wife, who I was hoping could change the picture. And it broke my heart. Still breaks my heart to today. Because it got worse. They ended up getting divorced. My friend Harold ended up with these big gauges in his ear. Huge. Broke my heart. Amen. She ended up having three baby daddies. Apostolic Pentecostal raised. I want you to get that on you. Sunday school raised. In the church her whole life. Amen. And James Woods was drinking with her fiancé. Uh-oh. Why y'all so quiet in here? I'm trying to prevent somebody from making a shipwreck of their life. And if you have made a mistake, I'm trying to encourage you. But I'm here to tell you, it's time to quit playing with the Lord. We ain't got, you ain't got time to go through this type of trauma. Amen? There are many reasons... Sometimes we feel like damaged goods. I know I have. I'm not saying that derogatory. I'm just saying sometimes you don't, you don't even feel worthy. And I know I'm not worthy, but I, I'm still a son or daughter of God. I feel this just touches somebody's heart tonight. Amen? See, I don't deserve favor. I don't deserve mercy. I gladly receive it. There are some things I wish I can go back and fix. But most importantly, I thank God for the blood. Listen, we can't earn salvation. We can't pray for our, we can't pay for our redemption. If it, would, if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, where would we all be? Oh, thank God. 
for the blood. Amen. I'm here to tell you the blood can restore all. If you feel that you have a damaged heart, God can heal it. Amen. You might not feel like you deserve mercy, but you're going to have to receive mercy. During that time when I was depressed, after my breakup, it's weird. I made mistakes. God restored and God consecrated. But I could not shake this depression. I was depressed for over a year. I believe depression is real, but I don't believe you have to be depressed for over a year. I just didn't know what to do. You understand? Every day I'm depressed, crying, everything. Frustrated, mad. You know, one or two months, I'll say, all right, I'm, you know, take time to heal. Time heals all. That's a lie. Faith heals all. Time don't heal all. Now, let's say faith heals all, and all of a sudden, I'm about three, four, five, six, seven, eight months in. And I'm frustrated. Because now, I realize maybe I'm really depressed. And I was. Amen. And I was mad. I was still crying, going everywhere, y'all. Maybe not as much all the time, but it was happening. And the spirit of heaviness would come on me at home every time I went in the house. And I didn't know what to do. And one day I'm coming home from church, and I'm mad. And I said, I said God, I'm tired of this. You know the strange part about this? This whole time I'm prophesying. This whole time I can hear God's voice. This whole time giving tongues, interpretation of tongues. I'm praying folks to, to the, uh, for the Holy Ghost in the altar. I can, give every, I can give everybody else a word. I can't give myself a word. When I wasn't anointed, I was depressed. I'm driving home on the back. It's dark at night. I'm frustrated. God finally speaks to me. And I said, God, I'm frustrated. God said, go read Abraham. What would you say, God? He said, if you don't want to be depressed, he said, go read Abraham. I said, okay. I, th- I have to believe it was God. He said, go read him in the New Testament. That's what God said. So I looked up Abraham, New Testament. The Bible says, Abraham wavered not at the promise through unbelief. I said, how that going to fix my problem? And so I, I asked God, how is this going to fix my problem? The fact that Abraham wavered not at the promise through unbelief. God said, the reason you are depressed is because you don't believe. And God said, if you will simply believe, you will not be depressed. You see, when I got rejected and I hurt... I no longer wanted to believe because to believe is to put hope in God again. And to put hope in God again is to take down your defenses and actually believe that God's going to do good towards you. God is going to make good on his promises. God is going to give you something. So I say, I'm kind of like a turtle coming out. I say, God, you telling me it's okay to believe? Oh, see, y'all ain't never been, now. And God says, yes, it's okay to believe. I said, okay. This might sound simple to you, but we really don't believe sometimes. What we do is, well, maybe God will. That's not believing. Believing is expecting what you ask for. I woke up the next morning, and no spirit, it wasn't like an anointing hit me, an angel didn't smack me, God just spoke to me, because he sent his word to heal us. I woke up next morning, he gave me another scripture. David said, I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hmm. I said, God gonna give me another wife. <laughs> oh, y'all didn't hear me. I said, God gonna give me another wife. I just said it. And I believed it. 
There was no evidence. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I said, God going to give me a wife. There wasn't no wife to see. I just start believing. I'm going to try again. Oh, I'm going to work y'all through this here. And, every, and literally, all I did every morning and every day was repeat promises to myself that God had given me. Within one week, I was no longer depressed. Oh, it gets better. But just because I was not depressed did not mean I was restored. Mm. Just because you get healed don't mean you're restored. Because restoration means you can do what you used to do. See, I was still a little gun shy. I was still a little nervous. No longer depressed, but I still hadn't got all the way over rejection. You know, because when I went to go ask my wife out, I didn't have the confidence I used to have. Damaged goods. You know, God can do more with damaged goods than sometimes people who think they're perfect. But at least I asked her out. I was scared to death. Because I was scared to get hurt again. But at least I had enough faith to try. She agreed. You see, I, I had to trick my wife. My wife is a, whew, she elusive. She had a catcher. So I didn't, Bishop, I didn't ask her to, to go to dinner. I figured asking her to go to dinner has a lower probability. I asked her to go to lunch. Yeah, look, tips, y'all, young men, tips. I've shown out them tips. Because <laughs> lunch ain't seem as serious as dinner. Right? Yeah, you got to strategize. I'm going to sit over. So we're going to the restaurant. I'm nervous. I ain't been on a date in a while. I was a year depressed, so guess I'm doing all right. Now, they should have put me in a psychiatric ward. Something wrong with me, y'all. I ain't taking my medication today, so y'all pray for me. So I'm sitting outside the restaurant. It's time for a date. And I was like, this wasn't so bad. This wasn't so hard. So I really hope this works out with her, but I understand that it's okay to try again. And I don't have to stay in depression. I don't have to stay down if I just have faith and believe. I was outside that Italian restaurant, and I was crying. Y'all know I act tough, but, you know, I'm really James Woods. <laughs> I was out there crying because I was getting over something. I was being restored. Listen, some of y'all been through stuff. And you've been healed. Some of y'all been through stuff. And maybe you came out of depression. But it's time for restoration. But here's the good part. God don't just restore. After restoration comes Multiplication. Here's why. Not that God wanted you to sin. Not that God wanted you to make a mistake. Not that God is in the business of allowing you to fail and think it's cute. But after you fail, you know the way out. The best people I've seen win drug addicts off the street were ex-drug addicts. The best people I've seen win alcoholics were alcoholics. What you came out of, God has given you dominion over. Some of y'all came out of abusive relationships. Some of you come from dysfunctional families. Just because your family was dysfunctional mean you're going to have a dysfunctional marriage. You know how not to. You got to look at this thing differently. God is restoring. Come on, I don't know who I'm talking to, but God is talking about restoration. 
God is talking about restoring you. God is talking about bringing you back to what you used to do and multiplying it. You ever have these moments in life when you were really good at one point and you can't get back there and you keep on trying to go back there? God don't want you to go back there. He wants you to go beyond there. I don't know who I'm talking to, but God is not going to let you settle in life. You know, sometimes the reason our life is messed up is because we try to camp out in the wrong spot. We try to rest when God wants you to move. We try to stop going further because we get content. And godliness with contentment is much gain. What is your destiny? What is your promise? What is God trying to do in your life? Look, I'm looking at some people that God is trying to use for his kingdom. I'm looking at some people that God don't want you to just be a church member. God wants you to get involved in the church. I don't know who I'm talking to. You know what people say? Oh, it's not me. It's those other people. They got the work. You know, in church, everybody expects somebody else to do the work. And then once everybody's expecting somebody else to do the work, nobody does the work. I feel healing in this place in a strong way. I want us to all stand to our feet and just raise your hands. If you need healing, if you need restoration, I just want you to close your eyes and raise your hands and begin to receive it all over this place. I feel God in this place. Come on. You might have felt like damaged goods, but God is about to, oh, I hear you, God. Come on. If you're single, you want it, God will give you somebody, but make sure it's the right person. Come on. If you made a mistake in life, if you're hiding something you don't want anybody to know, come on, God can heal it in Jesus' name. Come on, God can heal it in Jesus' name. Come on, if you want what I'm talking about, I want you to come on down to the front. Come on, I feel a spirit of restoration in this house. 